to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, I heard you missed us. We're back. From beautiful downtown Charleston, South Carolina, located uh, just right off the Ashley River, this is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Good to be back. Nice to be talking to you again. Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your good podcast. Uh, well, it's there when we produce the shows. So, <clears throat> I've gotten a lot of emails lately. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Yes, there have been um, quite a few obstacles over the past six months we've had to deal with. We are clearing a lot of them out of the way. Um, for a lot of you that do series shows, they are wrapping up during this time of year in January. For a lot of people that do interview shows, they're starting to get them uh, together because there, there seems to be a push in podcasts right after Christmas um, because people are at home. People are taking time off and they've got a little bit more time. And so we have kind of been gearing towards doing something that week. Uh, I've been building up a couple of things, um, and then I've quite frankly been busy with work and with life. So all that combined has taken us away for quite a few weeks, and, and I do apologize for the uh, leave without notice. Uh, but that is something that that uh, is now is now I, I believe completely rectified, and uh, we've got some announcements to make over the next couple of weeks. But but. The good thing for you is we have a multitude of shows coming. We're going to have multiple shows a week over the next couple of weeks, and we're excited to bring those to you. Some great guests that we're lining up, uh, and a couple of surprises over the past week that I've been uh, very happy to get in touch with. So looking forward to bringing you that. Got a great a great show for you today, a great interview uh, with a gentleman who, uh, down here in Charleston, uh, runs a very unique festival that uh, we took part in uh just uh, just a couple of weeks ago so excited to bring him on um <clears throat> i um i don't know about you but it's it's you know I, I found myself fully in the throngs of christmas the other day i um it actually believe it or not snuck up on me this year it, it really rarely does that i i am probably like a lot of you i, I see it coming and i start i start to brace for it um, I don't know if it was the schedule. I don't know if it's just the fact that this year, more than most, seems to be going fine. Has anybody checked to see if global warming is causing the Earth to spin faster? <clears throat> is there a reason why the years seem to be going by faster? Or is this just something that old people do? I, I'm now succumbing to the fact that I'm an, an, an old guy. And I say old guy things like... Well, this year sure has flown by, and they just don't make them like they used to. And I remember when it was crack and not heroin is the problem out there. Um, it's um, it's kind of crazy how, how this year's flown by. And so I, I finally, I, just the other day, I caught myself uh, uh, fully realizing that Thanksgiving had passed me by. And uh, our Christmas tree was up, and it needed to have lights on it. So we, we took the time this past week... Um, to spend with our girls we haven't had uh, much time together uh, those of you welding a family listeners understand that as well and uh, and I caught myself 
doing the thing that I, I think I talked about four years ago when I started this podcast, I did a Christmas show where I heard a lady in a Walmart, like the first week of Christmas, first week of December, say, I am so ready for Christmas to be over. And, and I hear that phrase from someone every year. And, and my goal is to never let that be something that I say. Um, and, uh, man, I almost said it the other day. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for Christmas to get here. There, there seems to be um, some sprint at the end of the year here to get through this year. Not that this year's been a bad year. Actually, this year's been a very good one. Um, it's taken me away from the podcast a little bit, but with what I do with work and, um, with what some of the things with the band, uh, what's been going on with the band, uh, has taken me away, but that that doesn't mean that things have been bad. This has been a a much better year uh, than I've had in the past. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but there is an outlet that I get with, with this show that I have been missing and I do get emails from you guys, but I, I don't feel like it's a two way street, even if I answer them. Um, simply because I, I feel that, um, if I'm not doing the talking on the side, there's, there's this, I'm not really communicating with you. So, so thank you to all of you that have been writing in. Um, I I do want to address something off the top. Um, I've, I've hinted at it before. I think I, I didn't want to take, uh, some time to actually do this until Don had made his official announcement. Uh, but for those of you that are big fans, of uh, Don Merkel and the Blacksmith, and we we appreciate uh, all the fans that have come out over the past few years. I, you know, I've been with this iteration of the band for for two years, and I've I've loved it. Uh, the band is, uh, I, you know, we keep is it taking a break? I don't know if that's actually an actual term. Let me, let me tell you what's going on and how you can still uh, support uh, Don and what he does. Uh, Don has decided that he wants to do something a little different. And what he has is, is, is done is he has found uh, something that I think is extremely unique and uh, really incredible when, when, you, when, you, when you think about the concept of this. Um, there are apparently a slew of house concerts. From the east to the west coast, north to south, small cities, big cities, there are guys that are singer-songwriters that travel around that'll do basically like pop-up concerts at people's houses. They sell tickets to them. They bring their merchandise. You can listen to them, sing songs, tell stories, all that jazz. And it goes, its seriously, from Columbia, South Carolina to New York, New York, to Los Angeles, to Austin, Nashville, Memphis. I mean, they've got them everywhere. And uh, Don has found a connection into that and has decided to kind of focus his efforts on performing that way. I do know that he's working on some new music. If you don't follow him over at Don Merkel on Facebook, you, you should. Uh, he's had some new videos that are coming out. It's a great way that you can still support him. Uh, the, the blacksmiths, those of us left behind, are, are, are contemplating and working on a couple of things, and, and when some things come uh, from that in the future, I'll be sure to let you know here. Uh, but if you do want to support Don's music and, and continue on with w- the projects that he's got going on, some of the different artists that he's bringing in, uh, check him out over on Facebook. It's a, it's a great place for you to go and keep up with him. And, you know, I, I certainly do think the world of Don, and I love his music. Uh, it's been great to be a part of it for the past couple of years. And um, I, I really appreciate all the folks that have come out. Uh, listen to the music that have bought it, uh, that have found it through this show, that have told me how much they support it. And uh, I'd love to tell you there's a concert coming to a town near you, but there is not. 
So um, thank you again for all the people that have written in asking about that. Uh, the other band that I play in, uh, Duncan Sims and the Accused, is the cover band that basically just plays around Columbia, South Carolina. We are still going. And by the way, we have a gig this Friday at the Wild Wing in the Vista. If you are around and want to come and hear some good old rock and roll tunes, come check us out. Uh, we playing, um, I should know this, I think at 9, maybe 8. I'll double check that and put that on the website. <laughs> uh, but come check us out. We've had some really great gigs. Had one at the Hangar, uh, the brewery uh, down there at Owens Field uh, a week or two ago that was fantastic. We love that place. It's one of our favorite places to play and uh, really enjoy how how, uh, how nice they are to us and, and really enjoy that. So uh, enough business. I want to get to the interview that we got this week. Uh, ironically, uh, this is a, 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 there's a festival here in Charleston uh, called the Rockabilly Q, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. It is an incredibly unique festival for a host of reasons. Uh, it was one of the first festivals, I believe the first festival I ever played with Don Merkel and the Blacksmiths, and it was the last one. Our last gig that we ever played uh, was was there at the Rock, Rockabilly Q uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, got to talk to the guy that puts this on and found him to be an incredibly interesting guy. I, I want to go ahead and apologize for something off the top. Uh, the audio of this is not great. Uh, a lot of the times when I connect with people, they are not as busy. Uh, and uh, there's not a lot of uh, sharpness that occurs in the in the interviews because people are able to sit in one place. Uh, the only time we were able to connect was while he had a bunch of stuff to do. So you'll have to excuse the audio in this. Uh, it sounds like one of the first, <laughs> first interviews I ever did way back when. Uh, but I found him to be incredibly, incredibly nice and really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, so uh, please take a listen to this and I will... We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Nobody move, nobody make a sound. Nobody move, nobody make a sound. I came to work, I came to get down. Nobody move, nobody make a sound. Cause I'm a desperate man, baby. And these are desperate times I don't really want to hurt no one But I do have murder on my mind You look at me and think you got what it takes You look at me and think you got what it takes Nothing left to lose but everything With me this week uh, is a guy that, that I've gotten to know just a, a little bit here um, but who does a, a great, great job of promoting local music in the areas that he's in. Uh, Mr. Simon Cantlin. Simon, how are you? Doing good today. Now, I am, how are you? I'm doing good. I am talking to Simon. This is just on the uh, the end of the Rockabilly Q. It's a it's an annual event that's held in Park Circle in Charleston, South Carolina. It is a is an incredible event that has um, – like some some fantastic musicians, great car show. How how long have you been doing the Rockabilly Q? Uh, this was the seventh year. Seventh year. What what got you started in 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 doing the music promotion? Did you start with Rockabilly Q, or is this something that you've added on to a uh, a series of of promotionals you've done? No, I used to do a festival in uh, New Mexico 
Um, I did it for five years, and I actually started it about six months before Rockabilly Q. Okay. And because it was called Rock, it was called Rockabilly on the Route, and because of that event, it inspired. And I li- I didn't live I didn't live in New Mexico. I lived here, yeah. but because of that event, I um, thought it would be such a cool idea to bring it to um, Park Circle because I love Park Circle. And at the point at the at the at that point in time, I was working with a restaurant called the Barbecue Joint, which is now closed. And the owner of me brainstormed the idea of having, you know, a show in the middle of Park Circle. And he actually helped me come up with the name because it was a barbecue restaurant. So it's Rockabilly meets barbecue. That's yeah. the idea of the name Rockabilly Q or Rockabilly as some people call it. <laughs> um, but uh, which is, I think it's always really cool that like, I'm like Rockabilly sounds so French. Yeah. Um, but uh, the um, yeah, but the, yeah. So recently we brainstormed, we brainstormed the idea. I started doing it. It's grown tremendously. The first year was only two blocks long and one stage, um, and maybe like fifteen hundred people showed up. And you know now we're up to you know over ten thousand, and you know ten to like we're probably about fourteen fifteen thousand people. Um, wow. Annually, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's grown quite a bit. What, so when you, when you started it and you, and you were looking at the reasons why you wanted to do it, uh, you know, obviously that area is, uh, it's a beautiful area. It's a really neat, the culture in that area is, is, is pretty, um, I don't want to say it's trendy, but there's a lot of really cool newer businesses, newer restaurants. There's a good mix that's in that area. What what was it that really drove you to start looking at specifically the rockabilly music a- along with the food that's in that area? Yeah, so why why did you put those two together the the that rockabilly music and the and the food in the area that that, that we have in Park Circle? Uh, you know, I just felt like it was a I mean Park Circle for people that don't know is a classic American main street. You know, the, the old village of Park Circle on East Montague, and it's packed full of restaurants and bars and breweries and it just continues to grow, but it kind of fits the whole rockabilly classic car vintage bike, you know, culture perfectly because it's classic Americana as well. So it, to me, it made perfect sense. And I thought it would be so cool to see classic cars parked down East Montague, you know, and uh, it just creates that whole image of the 1950s, you know, Americana perfectly. And, uh, you know, I just, I thought how cool would it be one day a year to be able to like kind of turn it back to what it was like a long time ago. And, uh, you know, the neighborhood was built in the forties. So, you know, it was built right in that era of, you know, the mid-century, you know, culture of cars, bikes, music, pinups, you know, all that kind of stuff. Obviously we have a little bit of a modern day spin on it with tattoos and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, it, it just, it's such a perfect fit and it's a unique fit. Because a lot of car shows, and there's nothing wrong with them, but a lot of them are just in giant parking lots. And, you know, it's you're coming there to look at the cars, which makes sense. But our event is more than a car show. Our event is a mixture of culture. So there's something for anybody. You know, there's, there's fun stuff for the kids. There's people that are into music, people that are into cars, people that are into books, people that just want to come out and hang out. There's a lot of different things you know, to do, and it's, it's an eclectic show. It's, it's, it's not just a car and bike show. It's also a music festival, and it's also like a mid-century celebration. It's it's interesting when you when you talk about how that, that, that neighborhood was set up because when you 
when you look at how the cars are laid out for the car show, it, it does seem to flow perfectly the way you have it set up. And it, one of the things that I'm really impressed with is not only the folks that bring the variety of cars out for the car show, and, and, and I'm admittedly no expert in cars. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that the dude that brought the, the, uh, the DeLorean Probably got more pictures yeah, than anybody yeah. else. That was the suit. That was the, yeah, the yeah. coolest People thing. Yeah, I love that. I got a kick out of that. Yeah. Um. But the um the way that the the cars are laid out, all that is really neat. But I'm so impressed in the not just the turnout, um, for the car show or for anything else, but you know, like you said, the tattoo contest, the beard contest, the mustache t- contest, and, and and obviously with the the pinup contest. So many people that may not even be participating in those still get into it, still dress up. And co- I, I'm amazed oh, every yeah, year sure. at how there's there's I mean, there's a lot of festivals where people do that. There seems to be a higher percentage in it with this festival. Any idea why that is? No, you know, and it's funny. The first year, two people dressed up, my sister <laughs> and like one other one other lady. Yeah. And, you know, and, and obviously people that were in the pinup contest. But I think we had maybe six girls the first year of the pinup contest. And it, it wasn't a, a lot of people weren't dressing up the first couple of years. And then it slowly people started kind of getting into it and dressing up their kids and dressing more like greasers and, you know, and uh, pinups and Betty pages and all that. And doing the victory rolls and, you know, greasing the hair back and wearing a biker jacket, rolling up their jeans, whatever. But every year, more and more people are, are kind of getting into it. It's kind of like, it's not Halloween, but they're, they're getting into the theme. Yeah. So, you know, they're, and it's an easy theme to, you know, you can put on like a white shirt, a pair of jeans and a pair of Converse and flick your hair back and you're pretty much dressed for the event. Yeah, sure. Um, it's not like, it's not a complicated theme. Um, so, you know, I think, I feel like people get a kick out of it. It's fun. It's easy. You know, you can dress up and you let, you get, you get to have fun for a day and kind of be from a, from an era that you're not from. Yeah. So, and it's, and it, it's definitely, you know, when we first did it, we, we attracted a much more larger crowd and we still get the large, not larger crowd, I'm sorry, older crowd. And we, we still get the, you know, the older car and bike guys and all that. So we're definitely every year, it's, it, we're, we're attracting a younger crowd as well, which makes me happy because I like, I like the mix. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that it's a good mix of people that it's not just, you know, it's not just guys that are in their forties and up. It's a mixture of, you know, people that are had families, people that are younger that are into the, you know, bikes or cars or music and people, you know, that would just want to come out. But it, you know, if you walk down the street, you see all ages. Yeah. So you know, I, I pay really close attention to that, and I see lots of different, you know, diversity in the crowd. What, so, what, yeah, I it, like that. Yeah, it's amazing how many people. And I, 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 you know, I noticed that too. Even from the stage, I remember asking Don about a couple of people that were out there. Like, I seeing all these different folks that were getting into it. It wasn't just like a bunch of single folks out there. It's people that had their kids with them that were dressing their kids up. Um, and yeah, it, sure. it, one of the other things that you t- you talked about your your dog that I assume you're walking right now. And what's funny, um, we yeah. we were talking yeah. about we we paused the show for a second so you could get your dog situated. That was my dog barking in the background a second ago. So now we're yeah, <laughs> now you and I are yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, but speaking of which, the 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 show was dog friendly, and and that was another thing that I wanted to ask you. It doesn't it probably doesn't seem like that big of a thing for you. 
But there's a lot of places you go nowadays that you that aren't pet friendly for you to bring your 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 pets in with you, and this show is. W- was that a conscious effort? Was that a city ordinance that you can't have a festival that's not dog friendly? W- w- what what makes that okay for you as well? Well, I mean, it's for one. Well, it's a sorry. There's a really loud truck going by. Um, it's a benefit for Valiant Animal Rescue, so. Not only is it, you know, a dog friendly, but it also the festival is raising money for, you know, an important charity that takes care of, you know, rescue dogs and breed dogs and breeding factories and wildlife is chained to the backyard and, you know, things like that. Um, and they do, you know, they do a really great job of what they do. And so once a year, I try to raise some money for them to help them out. But I think with a neighborhood like Park Circle, it'd be really hard to make it not dog friendly because it's just like it is dog. I mean, it's a dog friendly neighborhood. So. Yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine telling people they couldn't bring their dogs. For one thing, I love dogs, and uh, and my dogs to rescue, and you know all that. But I think that it, you know, it should be. I like the idea that you know, I like it that it's free, so that people can come and they don't have to get charged an exorbitant amount. They, you know, they can choose. You know, they can come and have drinks or not have drinks. They can come and have a bite. Nothing in Park Circle is, is you know, super expensive, and you know, they can drink their beer on the street. And, you know, have a good time and, you know, hang out with their dog and bring their kids. You know, it's a very eclectic thing, but it's open. You know, we try to make it open. So if people, you know, it's a nice day out. You want to bring your dog to hang out, bring your dog to hang out. As long as your dog's okay with people, then yeah, sure. It sounds great to me. Now, I I want to talk about that. But first, before I do, I want to make sure we're giving them credit. I was not aware that it raised money um, for uh, that group. And so I want to make sure we're saying that. What's the name of the group again? Uh, Valiant Animal Rescue. Valiant Animal Rescue. Okay, all right, gotcha. Yeah, you you mentioned that. My 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 wife talks about anytime there's an event at Park Circle, but but certainly Rockabilly Q, and I I think that's her favorite festival that we go to now. Um, And one of the things is there isn't an admission into into the there isn't a big fence keeping people out or keeping people in. It it doesn't feel as processed as a lot of other ones do. It does feel very it very welcoming in the neighborhood. Um, What I understand why people want to charge gate admissions. Um, I'm not knocking the other festivals that do that. Um, what yeah, has been the benefit? Yeah, everyone has their bottom line. Sure. What has been the benefit for you in keeping it that way? I mean, do you, did you finally see a point to where you're like, you know, I'm sure there was a time that, that came up. Do we do this or do we not? And now with the incredible amount of people that come in and buy beer and buy, you know, things from the vendors that are there and, and go in and out of the restaurants, d- does that all – does that all wash out for you? I mean, other than just the financial part, what's the other benefit to doing that? Uh, I think, you know, I've, most of my events are free. It's kind of a big deal to me. Um, I feel like people get charged enough for everything. And you go, to the, you know, and I go to the festivals too. But you go, you know, you pay like 75 to $150 to get in the door. Then you're paying 12 to $20 for burgers and beer. And I'm talking about like, a, you know, at a pop. Yeah. You know, at, I don't know, you know for each one. And I just feel like, you know, you leave and you've spent all this money and it kind of leaves, you know, it can often leave a really bad taste in your mouth. And I like, you know, I like to go to events and have a good time and not feel like I'm getting my wallet completely emptied out. And so it's kind of like my own personal interest is, you know, I also like, you know, free events and everything, but it's, you know, it's become the biggest event of its kind in the Carolinas. And I think being free helps a lot because people are like, oh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would we probably have half the crowd 
And truth is, I can make a lot of money off of that, ticketing it and stuff. But I don't, you know, I just feel like it loses its, it loses its charm. The neighborhood is charming. I'd have to move it elsewhere for one thing. I couldn't really ticket Park Circle. Yeah. And then it would be in a park or, or a parking lot. And that's fine. I mean, for, you know, obviously a lot of events do stuff in those spaces. But the charm of Rock and, of Rock and Little Cube is more than just, you know, more than just it being free and the music and cars and stuff. It has a lot to do with the neighborhood as well. And the neighborhood is super, you know, charming and it fits the experience. Like it's a mid-century neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. Because people have told me to, people have told me to move it to Riverfront Park or move it to a parking lot or blah, blah, blah. And I'm sorry, I just like <laughs> came up a bunch of stairs and I'm a little winded. Um, <laughs> well, you had a big weekend too. All I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I feel like... That's part of the festival isn't just about the cars and bikes. It isn't just about the music. It isn't just about the contests and the pinups and all that. It's also about the fact that it's in this cool, badass neighborhood. And that's the charm. And, and you know, I love the fact that all these businesses in Park Circle get to participate in this. And there's some really amazing places. And it's a very eclectic neighborhood as far as the people and the businesses. Like, you know, there's a lot of diversity in food. The bars all have kind of different flavors. We have breweries now. We have some cool stores that have been opening up. It's just a great neighborhood. And I'm a huge fan of Park Circle and North Charleston. So yeah. to me, it makes sense to have it, you know, in that area. And, and you know, and it fits perfectly. And I think that if I was to move it somewhere and make it ticketed, it wouldn't be Rockabilly Q anymore. I'd have to rename it. Like, you know, it'd have to be something else. Because it wouldn't have the same charm as it does now. Absolutely. Yeah, I can. If I, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely see your point. And for the folks that are listening, if, if you go and check out their, their page on Facebook or their, or their website, you, you see pictures of it and the pictures are great. And they, and they really tell the story and you can see the setting that, that, that the, the that it takes place in, it's really hard to imagine getting that same feel from like a, a big field or, or a parking lot. Now, while the yeah. car show and all the other things that we've talked about are a big part of it, it may just be for me because I was, I was one of the uh, bands that played uh, this past weekend, but I really love the music at this show. It's very, while it's, it's very centered on the rockabilly kind of genre it is it is very eclectic in the bands that play um the acts on stage vary greatly from one to the next i mean you the stage we were on the dig stage you had us at 12 you had those fools from whiskey diablo on right after us and then there was a <laughs> there was a band the tan man something i don't know who they were oh, the, tan, the tan and sober gentlemen they were amazing and then you go over yeah. and you walk down the street to uh the young kid van um Vaden Landers? Yes, yes. Yeah, he's great. Couldn't be different, and they were all fantastic. And the music just, it really, for this festival, it just shone. I was was amazed at how um, into it the acts were, into it the crowd was, the variety that existed. um, And it seemed like you, you know, the way they were all thrown together, didn't seem like it was just by chance. Uh, th- th- there had to be some kind of process that you go through to to, to oh, yeah, find sure. out who 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 you want to have at the, at an event like this. When you're when you're trying to keep up with the field, 
of the 1950s, the mid-century stuff, um, and, and you've got the pinups, and you've got the car shows, and you've got all that, and then you have these crazy musicians. How do you balance that to make it, you know, that that idea of that modern kind of feel while still hearkening back to the 1950s? Because obviously the music has a great can can pull or push against that greatly. What's that process like for you? Um, well, I mean, I try to I keep it somewhat innovative. I like eclectic. Like even if you look at the cars and the bikes, they're not like all classic. There's rat rods, there's hot rods, there's sure. muscle, there's street rods, there's import. And the music, I also like to, I have eclectic taste, and people have eclectic taste. If I was to do nothing but traditional rockabilly, I mean, people would enjoy it, but there's a certain segment that wouldn't be as into it. Right. So, I like to listen, I only book bands that I feel like I would listen to when I'm driving down the street. If I wouldn't listen to them at any hour of the day or whatever, I mean, certain ones obviously are better for nighttime, certain ones are better for day listening or whatever, but if I wouldn't... If I'm not into them, then I don't book them. Like I have to be into the band. Otherwise, to me, it's not worth it. So it's my. It's kind of the music is what I'm probably the most passionate about. I love the cars and I love the bikes, but the music I'm most passionate about because I've always been a huge music lover. I've you know I've worked in the industry for years in the entertainment industry, and I really, really, really try to up myself every year. And I had a few bands that were in pretty big rockabilly bands that played the festival this year. And they said, they said, your lineup was ridiculous. Like, it was so good. And I only have so much budget, too. Right. So I have to be very creative because I'm not a ticket event. I'm not a high water festival. And I'm not, you know, like, you know, um, I'm not into the woods or whatever. And granted, those aren't necessarily rockably, but I'm saying they have a lot bigger budget because they're ticketed events. They can afford to spend a little bit more money. And I try to get the best bands I can that are within my budget that also are great bands. And, you know, and a lot of them are, you know, are willing to cut me a little break because it's a free festival and a benefit. And, you know, I feel like the, you know, the bands really come and give it all. Like I've never had a band that did, you know, like a half-assed job or whatever, you know, of yeah. doing their show. Um, and I really appreciate that. So, you know, it's like makes a big deal. Yes. Uh, that, they, that they do that. So I try, you know, like I said, I try to make it so that it's very eclectic with the music. It was it, it was fun to be there. One of the things I noticed is that you know a lot of festivals that we may play at, some of the band members will stick around to hear this band or two, or we'll say, hey, we're going to hang out. All of us had planned at being at Rockabilly Q all day. Um, now it was it was hard because we played first, so that meant we got to drinking early, but. We uh, oh, yeah, for sure. But we had a, a really good time, and what I thought was great is that the community of musicians that were there were very supportive of each other and wanting to go check out, you know, this new group over here. Or hey, I've heard about these guys from Asheville, and I've never seen them before. Let's go check them out. And, and even amongst the musicians, it was it was a lot of fun. And I, I remember looking at at Don at one point, and I said, talking about as far as being ticketed for the event. I said, yeah, you know, yeah. you could walk up here and not spend a dime and see some incredible music acts today. And and that and that wasn't it wasn't lost on me. And I and I really think it's amazing that you do that. So I, I guess, you know, before I let you go here, a couple of the questions I, I, I want to ask you may seem a little bit far out, but you know, you, sure. you really do a great job of bringing something special to uh that neighborhood and to the city as far as it's you know, the the actual 
um, uniqueness of the festival is concerned. But the people that go, it looks like they get a lot out of it. I know all of the musicians get a lot out of it. I'm certain the restaurants do because the other thing I noticed uh, against other festivals that are there that I'm, I'm not knocking, they're great festivals too, not everybody participates like everybody does for this one. Everyone's involved in it. What what do you think it is really about this festival that that causes people to come with such a positive and 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 willingness to participate attitude from all aspects from dressing up like we talked about earlier, entering the cars or musicians, not only playing, maybe giving you a break because it's an event, but wanting to stick around and support the other musicians. What is it about this show that makes it different from the other ones? Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, honestly, I can't really, I don't know, but I mean, you're right. A lot of people come and a lot of bands are checking out other bands. Um, people do come for the day. I think it's because there's just a variety of things to do too. It's not like, I just hone in on one thing. It isn't just a car show. It isn't just a music festival. It isn't just a local business appreciation. It isn't just a contest. It's like the sum of its parts. So there's a lot of diversity at the event, and I think that keeps people's attention spans because, you know, we all have ADD for the most part nowadays. We all have smartphones and Internet and, you know, Netflix at home and access to anything we want. And, um, you know, keeping people's attention is not easy and that's why i try to keep it i try to keep it eclectic and that's why i also try to like um you know if the band keep it diverse because you know there's certain like some people like americana a lot some people like rockabilly some people like more honky talk some people like everything like me and i try to like appeal to those people and even people that necessarily aren't coming for the live music i want them to go oh wow this sounds great and it's funny because the first couple years that I did the festival, I didn't have a lot of people. I mean, people were coming, but I feel like they weren't as much coming for the music as they do now. So I feel like that, that aspect has grown quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, I like that. I think that's great that it's grown and, you know, and gotten to be bigger. Um, sorry, I'm just got in my truck. So sorry for the beeping. <laughs> but, fine. uh, I feel like, you know, that's kind of what keeps people's attention span and why people like to be, you know, involved. I mean, come out and, and, you know, participate and enjoy the day and have a good time. And they bring their friends and they bring their families and some people bring their kids. And, you know, and they come for more than just a short, you know, span of time. So um, I think that that makes it, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason why people, you know, well, that's cool. That you know, I, and I, I, yeah. I, I could, I could, I could definitely see that. When um, I know you do a lot of other. I know you do other festivals. You and I were talking off air before we began, um, about uh, another festival that you're going to go down and, and check out. How often um do you do festivals throughout the the area? Like, how many do you do a year? Is it something that you're constantly doing? Do you focus on just a couple each year? What, what what's it like for you? Well, I used to do a festival in New Mexico. We did. I did it for five years with a really good friend of mine. And we decided after five years we were going to retire it. She wasn't as into doing festivals. She wanted to focus on other things. And it was just really hard to do long distance. And then our hearts just weren't in it anymore. And we wanted to go out with a bang. And then, you know, and I, I wanted to focus more on Rockabilly Q. And she wanted to focus more on other things. And uh, so that's so we kind of came to an agreement to, to end that. And then I pretty much focused on Rockabilly Q 
the last two years, primarily just Rockabilly Q. And then I do other events around town at various venues, but they're not at the festival level. Um, I am t- working on an event in Florida for uh, February the 22nd. And it actually will be rock. It's going to be called Rockabilly Q Florida. Um, oh. They they love they love Rockabilly Q so much that they want me to bring the experience down there. The difference is it's going to be at a casino, uh, which is amazing because it's a little different feel. Yeah. The biggest the biggest Rockabilly festival in the country is in uh, Las Vegas. It's called Viva Las Vegas, and they take over a whole hotel for the event. Um, so a casino hotel, a casinos and Rockabilly kind of go well together. And it also is a whole class of car culture that, you know, like they do car shows at casinos and all that. So there's a whole culture there that's ripe for being a good fit. And, you know, with a casino too, they have a little bit bigger budget and I can book bands that I can't book for Rockabilly Q here. So it's kind of exciting that I get a chance to book bands that I could never touch because for me to book a band and pay, you know, twenty twenty thousand and up for him for Rockabilly Q is just not smart. Yeah, because I'm not going to make that back. I don't have tickets to sell. You know, like it doesn't make sense at all. And I also, you know, I don't have that. Like that would be way out of my budget. You know, the they do. You know, booking a a band that's you know twenty eighty thousand whatever for Rockabilly Q. It just doesn't. There's it doesn't make sense. There's no you know way to do that. So I like the fact that I can do this event in Florida. And bring in bands that I couldn't necessarily bring in for Rockabilly Q. That's awesome. All right, well, good deal. Well, Simon, if, if people want to uh, catch up with you or find out more about these events, is there anywhere they can go to learn more about it? Uh, well, they, I would say if you just go to rockabillyq.com, they can find out more about Rockabilly Q. All right. And, and, I'll, be, and I'll be linking, and I also will be linking my festival for Rockabilly Q Florida through the website, too. Okay, awesome. Well, I, I have one. I have one last question. I've been dying to ask you, sure. and I, I just, I, I'm just curious. The festival's great, but I'm sure there are obstacles that you have to overcome in order to pull something like this off. I mean, it's not, it's not like you just walk up and say, "Hey, I'm going to snap my fingers and Rockabilly Q will be great." Well, I'm curious. Yeah. Out of all the madness that was there that day, it was very controlled madness. Don't get me wrong. What is the biggest pain in the butt when you're trying to do a festival like that? Uh, I mean, it's, I'd say that probably, it's just more like getting everything. It's, it's a lot of time. Time is a lot of time put into the festival and it can suck up a lot of my time. And, and it's sort of like managing everything. So it all gets done and it all gets done in certain, the order it needs to get done. That's probably the biggest obstacle. I mean, I have a lot of support for the festival. The sponsors are great. The local business is great. The bands are great. The car and bike show guys love the event. I get, you know, I mean, obviously not everybody loves everything. And I always take feedback, you know, and, and try to make things different. Like, even if it's like out of like, you know, 250 cars, car owners, if I have two guys to tell me, I didn't like this about a festival, I'll, I'll think about it and like look into it because I, I want to be able to, you know, it's good to hear somebody with, you know, with some feedback that's not necessarily positive sometimes just to go, Oh, I didn't even think about that. Let me, let me see if I can make that change. Um, but yeah, I'd say the time issue and getting everything lined up so that it's perfect and that everything goes off swimmingly the day of it. That's the biggest challenge because gotcha. things come up the last minute, no matter how organized I am every year, the Thursday and Friday before the festival, 
life always throws some wrench in it that makes me have to jump through obstacles to make things go smoothly. Um, you know, and it's usually stuff that just pops up that you weren't even thinking about. So, gotcha. but you know, producing festivals is not for the faint of heart. Uh, <laughs> it's just, you, it, it, it's, it's a full-time, it's not more than a full-time job. At points you have to give up your social life. And I, I mean, my friends are used to it. They know what they call it. I call it festival mode, but I'm in festival mode. I will turn down social engagements left and right. right. And because I, I'm like, if I go out, I'm not working on the festival. And then I'm like, well, then who's working on it? Nobody. So I, you know, I have to, and it's not always easy, but it's just like, it, it's, it's just like you put in a lot of hours and they're not always glamorous hours. The majority of them are very tedious. So, sure. um, you know, you do a lot of computer work. I, I also do a lot of the graphic design. I don't do the official posters. I hire like very, you know, I hire illustrators for that. But I do all the other graphic design. So I'm not just doing, you know, I also do all the promotions on Facebook. I do, you know, I, I go out to all the sponsors. I talk to the local businesses. So, and I have a good team that, you know, that, I, that helps me out and works with me and they're great. And a lot of them have worked on the festival for years. But, you know, 95% of the festival is done by me. And in some ways it has to be done by me because it's, Except that I need, I'm, I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit control freak on it, but it's my baby. The rockability is my baby, so yeah. I'm very protective of it. Gotcha. Well, listen, I, you, it's obvious that you put a lot of time into it because it is a fantastic festival. I really enjoyed being a part of it uh, last weekend, and I, I'm, I'm we're already looking forward to next year. Uh, we're we're going to take a bunch of uh, a bunch of friends down with us and kind of make an event. Uh, out of it next next year so um really look for forward sure. to see what you guys yeah, and do it, and the date and also the date next year is uh, november 14th 2020 all right awesome and we'll you know what we'll do is we'll make sure that when next when it starts coming up we'll be promoting it on this show i can promise you that and uh cool. definitely looking forward to it but hey listen simon thanks so much for spending time with us today you do a you are a hell of a job very impressed to see someone take such a unique idea and, and do a festival that brings so many people together uh, it's amazing, man, and I, and I, I think you certainly deserve a huge pat on the back for it. And uh, thanks for coming on the show today and, and, and telling us a little bit more about it. Hey, thanks, Chad. I appreciate it. Have all a good one. All right, take care. You know, there's just something about a free festival. I don't know what it is. My, my wife and I have talked about this now um, for years that uh, we're all so busy. There's so much that's going on. Uh, it's really hard to, to be able to get to everything. So we really have to watch, you know, which festivals we go to. Um, but you, you want to go and be a part of them because you want to see what's going on with the uh with the community hear new bands be able to spend time with your with your with your neighbors and your friends that are out there it's uh, yeah i did a show earlier this year about the crawfish festival it's a, a local festival that we've had in in columbia it's kind of an iconic festival that was resurrected a few years ago um, but has been around the community for for decades that really does a very good job of bringing people together and they've moved it and and the move did not really fare well for them this year uh, it'll be interesting to see. They, they had a couple of obstacles against them, though, not just moving it. There's there's a couple of things that popped up, um, <clears throat> but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that uh, going into next year, or, or I guess in the very soon coming year. 
But I, I really, I really love Simon's um, outlook towards the festival. So <clears throat> let me let me explain to you some of the things that I love about the festival that I think most people take for granted. It's in a neighborhood. It looks like it's in an old 1950s downtown center. Okay. And one of the things that's apparent, but probably not noticed by most, is that there are no gates up. You're just walking in from, from different streets, from different parts of the neighborhood. People are walking in. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's something about that that creates a sense of, um, of uh, family, or at least a very familial sense about it, that creates... Um, uh, an idea of togetherness of being open to everyone who wants to come in. Now I understand promoters have to make their money, but uh, I'm going to tell you, I think that um, making money off of beer <laughs> at these festivals, you know, I, I, I had, I don't have the stats to it and I don't know about you, but if I don't have to pay even $5 to get in to a festival, I feel like I've got 50 more dollars that I can spend at the beer truck. You know, suddenly those $6 beers don't seem to hurt that much. And um, I, I lose all sense of, <laughs> of economic loss. And, and I will spend $50 more than I normally would. Uh, there is something to that, though, that I, I really like. What else I really like about the festival is the diversity that you see there and, and, and the music and the people that are showcased uh, and the folks that participate in it. And, and it's it's really a, a wonderful festival. And the reason I wanted to bring him on and talk about it was because I do think it's very unique. I think it's something that, that I want to promote. It's a festival that I really believe in. It is a festival uh, festival. <laughs> professional podcaster here. It's, it is a festival that my wife and I greatly enjoy. But there's something else to it. I think the underlying theme of everything that we talked about and the, and the theme when you're there that you feel is um, there is a sense of community when you're there. It is a busy festival. There's a lot going on at it. Um, it can feel crowded to some, but it's not over the top because there are no gates keeping you in. You need a breather. You can just walk half a block off the main strip, still listen to music, grab a smoke, grab a drink, talk to your friends before you jump back into the foyer. But there's something that we've been missing so much. And, and I, I know I, I talk about it so much every week, but especially going into this time of year, it's great to remember the sense of community. We, we do a very good job of remembering our families. I actually think we do. Most people I know have made plans this holiday season with their family somewhere. Ours extends into February because of the blended family that we've got, but we already have plans and know when we're going to see each other, and we, we know what the next few weeks are going to look at, and it is centered around family. Some people may do it better than others. Some people may include the right family members better than others. Um, but I, I think what we forget is our sense of community. My, my wife has done a great job over the past year or two years that we've been in the Rosewood community of really uh, 
pushing our family to be involved. And when she sees no involvement of, of creating something, whether it's through the neighborhood watch or through the, 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 the play date page that she has for parents looking for places and other folks for their kids to play together. Um, and, and I know that she feels like she's neglected some of that lately because, again, we've all been busy, uh, especially her with some of the volunteer work that she's done. But, um, you know, there, there is a sense of community that we certainly feel and that we have found has been very important and lacking. I seriously doubt that you can find a community in your area uh, that, that doesn't feel that way. I mean, maybe your community does do a good job, but the ones surrounding it don't. There, there's just a lot of that that we're missing. How many of your neighbors do you know? Why don't you take a second? Some of you may be lucky. Some of you may live in areas where you've lived for a long time. Uh, maybe you grew up in that neighborhood. Uh, I've certainly had that before in my past, but it, it, I've been in um, my neighborhood now for two years. I can tell you the name of the guy that lives across the street from me and the lady that used to. I can tell you the people that, no, I can't tell you the people that live directly behind me. No, I can't. I know what they are. I know they're students. Um, but I don't know their names or what half of them look like. I know one of my neighbors to the right. I don't know my neighbors to the left. I have a whole street of folks that that I just don't know. And I live in a community with these people. We drive up and down the same street. We have the same problems with potholes and cars parked the wrong way. We have the same issues with the schools in our area. We go to the same supermarkets, yet I, I don't really know these people. We love to blame social media and technology, and, and quite frankly, yes, that has a lot to do with it. It keeps us inside more. We're not doing as much as we used to outside. Hell, the weather is keeping us from doing a lot. Down here, we're babies. If it's below 70 degrees, we're freezing, and we're all inside. But we get busy, and we forget that. We remember our families during this time of year, but man, we, we don't take time throughout the year to really remember our community. It's nice. It's nice to go to a festival. It's nice for Park Circle to have a community festival where not only their members go to celebrate what they have and have a good time, but people from around the, the state come to and join them and their great camaraderie, their restaurants, their bars, their scenery, their dogs, and yeah, their music. And it's neat to talk with people there that I've never met and meet the vendors. And there's a part of that that I just think this shouldn't be so obscure in my life. This shouldn't be something that's not commonplace. It should be more like this. You have them around you. You have events, but maybe they cost money. They certainly cost time. But... What about your own street? Sure, maybe the city doesn't want you blocking it off and you have a, a huge party. And yeah, it costs money to host something at your house. But you know, my wife, uh, during, the, uh, during the, the end of the summer this year, realized that our neighborhood page was fighting about a lot of stuff. So we're going to have an ice cream social at our house. We'll bring toppings. You bring your favorite ice cream. Come on over. It's going to be from like 
I think it was supposed to be from 6 to 8. It ended up being from 5 to about 11.30. And we had a great time. And we haven't done it since. And that's on us. During this time of year, everybody's going to tell you to remember so many people. And so maybe I'm not going to tell you this. Maybe I'm not going to tell you because, yeah, you need to focus on your family. Yes, there are people out there that are hungry. Yes, there are foster kids that don't have home. Yes, there's a lot that we need to remember at this time of year. And there's there's a lot that sits somewhere in between religion and commercialism with tons of reminders of what we need to focus on during this season. So so maybe maybe I'm going to ask you to just to put this on the back burner, but to pick it up on December 26th. Maybe we need to make sure we're thinking of our communities, of our neighbors, of our streets, of the world within our reach a little bit more. When you're taking time to be thankful for things during this season and to realize the blessings you have, or like so many of you, you're looking at where the pain is in your life and where you've experienced loss. And you're wanting things to get back, maybe not to where they were, but just better than they are today. Understand that you should be thankful for your community and the people within your reach. Or understand that the steps that you need to take to get your life back may be found in the people around you. Our communities can be wonderful things if we take time to look at them and to take part in them. Don't be afraid to go to that thing down the street. And for God's sake, if you are by yourself on Christmas, don't be alone if you don't have to be. If someone's invited you, you may not want to go. Go. Just go. And sit and have a good time and be thankful for the community and the people within your reach. I think I really want to focus on that next year. About us really taking the time to do things in our community that are within our reach that celebrate that community. I'm not telling all you guys that run festivals to make them free. Although you wouldn't hurt my feelings if you did. Or, you, you know, maybe give your favorite podcaster here a, a couple of tickets. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not against advertising for you on here for free tickets. I'm fine with that. But getting out there and becoming active and meeting your neighbors and doing things with them, even if it means just walking around the block a couple of times. You don't have to pick up trash, although that's not a bad thing for you to do. Just get out and take a look at things. Pay attention to your neighbor's Christmas lights. Take time with your family to go out and see them. And don't just drive by. Talk to them if they're out there. This really is a season for us to be thankful for all that we have. If your community is not one of these things, what are you going to do to make it that way? Simon just... Started a little festival. And look what it did. Maria just had a couple of get-togethers at the house. And look what it's done. What little steps can you take 
to make things in your reach better. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab, but if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. Yes, we will see you next week. Thanks so much again for coming back. It's great to be back with you. Looking forward to a couple of great shows coming up. Check us out on Facebook, Local Bar Media. Chat at localbarmedia.com. Until next week, take care. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com.